0: Welcome to Activate Church Podcast And thanks for listening We hope this message helps you And we pray that God speaks to you Through this week's message Now here's something that Jesus said In Revelation chapter 22 He said I am The Alpha And Omega I am The beginning and the end, I am the first and the last. And to me, it blows me away that Jesus doesn't say the end is somewhere. He says, no, no, no. I am the beginning. And we're gonna look at the very beginning of everything right now tonight. So I'm gonna pray a short prayer and then we're gonna get stuck straight into it. God, help us tonight to understand how big you really are. Grant us the capacity to understand how wide you are, how deep you are. I pray, God, that you speak to us directly tonight, that we would hear you, that we would see you tonight in this preaching, in this word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God is the beginning of like everything. He is the beginning. In fact, if you're here and you're new to church, or you've just never gone to church, I'm so glad that you would come on a day like today because we're going to help you understand so much about the beginning. And even if you are new, you probably would already know that at the very beginning of your Bible is a word, Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible. And in the Hebrew language, the word Genesis means in the beginning. It actually means origins, the origin of everything, which is such a, uh, a great concept to think about. In the Bible, it explains to us what happened. It doesn't explain how everything happened. It more or less points to what happened. And it says that in the beginning, God created The heavens and the earth. Now, when the Bible says that God created the heavens, he's not talking about the sky. He's not talking about anything up there. It's actually talking about the spiritual realm. If you look at the original language, it's talking about the spiritual realm, which is kind of crazy to think about it because what it's really saying is, is that God exists outside of the spiritual realm and yet he created the spiritual realm and all the uh, heavenly beings in the spiritual realm, he created the spiritual realm and then he created the earth and when it says earth, it means that he created the universe and at the same time that he created the earth, everything in space and time was being created and arranged and that blows me away. How did he do that? Well, The Bible simply says that he spoke. He didn't have to create the earth and the universe out of anything that already existed. No, God created everything from nothing. He just speaks and things come into being. In fact, in Romans chapter Four seventeen, it says he calls into existence the things that don 't exist he just cre- it 's not hard for him. he just creates merely by thinking about it and by speaking it out when he created he didn 't just create the spiritual realm and, and and the physical realm he created time and i don 't know about you, but For me, I always think of everything in terms of time because I'm born into the physical realm, into this universe. I I can only think about a beginning and I can only think about the end. I, I can't think outside of that, but God created time and He exists outside of it. You know, there are so many people that try to come up with ideas about God and how He relates to Creation. In fact, there are four main ideas, and I would thought I would take the time just to look at those tonight. The first idea about God and creation is this that there is, in fact, no God, only matter, only physical things. All that exists is what you can touch all that exists is in the physical realm. There is no spiritual dimension. You know, I I tell you, the amount of times that I've had conversations with people, and they say to me things like this, I'm just going to put it out there to the universe. And I always think, that's a crazy idea. Why would you put anything out to the universe? If there's no God, what kind of force out there is going to Put something or necessarily anything good straight back at you. Why should you expect anything good from a universe that has no moral conscience or ability. And so I I don't really think that that's how it works. But anyway, there's the idea of pantheism, which is that everything is God or part of God. And that is to say that you are God and I am God and the trees outside of God and we're all God. And I don't think that's how it works either, but there's dualism and it says that God and the material universe have always existed side by side. They were created at the same time and God doesn't control it at all. And then there's this idea of deism, which is that God started creation, but in fact, now he's been completely removed from it. He's not interested in participating or being part of it. He just started things off and he's left it The way that it's just gone. And the Bible doesn't say any of those things. No, the Bible says that God is the eternal God that exists outside of time and that He created the heavens and the earth and He created everything. And not only that, but that he can live outside of it. And the word that we would use to say that God lives outside of time, the spiritual realm and the physical realm, we would use the word called transcendent. And it means that he transcends time and the universe, which is kind of... For me, I, it's almost hard to imagine. And I, I want you to know something so important is that God is directly involved in this physical realm. He's directly involved in the universe. And I, I don't think that you would find a better example of this than when He came Himself as Jesus. Now, if you're new to church, that's okay. Let me break this down for you. Jesus was the preexistent God who always existed with God before the creation of the world. And he came from that place and transcended into the physical realm as the person Jesus Christ. And even though he came in the form of a human, he never ceased to be fully God And then ultimately, and we've had baptisms here tonight, so you've already heard about it, but ultimately what he did is he paid the penalty for the mistakes that people had made. He paid the penalty for our sin and died upon a cross, a death that he would never have to die. Can you imagine? He never had to do any of that, and yet he came and gave his life for us. And if you're here and you're a Christian, you would understand how dependent you are on the person of Jesus, but I don't know if you fully grasp how dependent you truly are on him. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter one and verse three that Jesus upholds the universe by the power of his word. Everything that you can see and everything that you've ever known and everything you've ever experienced is presently being held together by the power of His Word. Now, I want you to do something with me for just a moment, so a little bit of participation. I just want you to breathe in deeply and breathe out. Now, if the person next to you has bad breath, don't tell them right now, just... Slide them a mint later on or something like that, okay? I want you to note that the reason that you can draw your next breath is because God is presently holding the universe together through the person of Jesus and upholding it by the power of his word. We are incredibly dependent on it. He holds the entire universe together. I like to think about space. I used to read books about space when I was a kid because I just thought it was really cool. And I'm going to say something to you tonight, and I really hope that you can follow me. Have you ever tried to think about the edge of space? I don't know how you think about space, but I want you to just go with me for a minute. You think, does it end? Where does space finish? If you were to hop in some kind of rocket ship and just travel forever, does it ever end? Is there an edge to space? And, and if there is an edge to space, I want to know what's on the other side. Is there just nothingness? And then I started to think about this. If, if space is really that big then God must be bigger. If space is that big, he must be bigger than space. And it kind of blows my mind. And I want to help you to unpack just how big God really is. Psalm 33.6 says that God literally breathes out Stars, are you not impressed? Some of you look at like you're waiting for something more miraculous. He, he, he breathes out stars, which to me is outrageous that he has that kind of power and ability and it becomes even more impressive when you know how big some of these stars can really be. In fact, if you want to know how big a star really is, the first place you need to look is not your Bible because the Bible will tell you nothing about how big stars are because the book that I have in my hands right now is actually a revelation about who God is and what his character is like and his interaction with humanity. It's actually not a book about science, but a book about revelation. So I would never look to this book to tell me how big a star is. I went to the God of the internet, Google. and i just thought i would google how big stars can be and it told me that our sun has a radius of 695,700 kilometers and the sun leaves the sur- uh, the light leaves the surface of the sun and in 8.3 minutes will arrive on planet earth warming this planet to a point where it's actually livable. And I learned that the earth has a radius of 6,371 kilometers. And to give you an idea about how big the earth is compared to the sun, I thought I would find a picture of it. That's how big the sun is compared to planet earth. Did you know, you don't know this, you can fit, 960,000 Earths inside one sun. Doesn't that kind of blow your mind? All right. If Earth was the size of this golf ball right here, then the sun would be 15 feet wide. That's how big the sun is, but the sun isn't even the biggest star in the universe. And many of you would already know this. And I, I remember watching a video by this uh, Christian author and, and, and preacher, Louis Giglio. And I remember years ago, uh, he made a, a, like a, a, a movie called Indescribable. And in it, he talks about this huge uh, planet, uh, sorry, this huge star called Canis Majoris. And Canis Majoris is huge. And just to put it in scales so you understand how big Canis Majoris is, if this golf ball was the size of planet Earth, then Canis Majoris is the height of Mount Everest. All right, that's big for some of you thinking, all right, you compare the size of this golf ball as planet Earth to Mount Everest. That's how big that sun is. But you know what? They're discovering new things all of the time. And I've realized that Canis Majoris, while being huge back then, is now only the eighth largest star. And they found another star. And I'm like, take me straight to number one. I want to know how big this sucker can get. So, so they found this next star called Scooty. That sounds like something you would name a small dog. (laughs) Little Scooty. This is the biggest star we have in the universe. Who's in charge of these decisions? Let me tell you something about Scooty. It's a bright red supergiant and pulsating variable star in the constellation Scootum, which is why they called it Scooty. Somebody needs to get another job. It has a radius, now t- tune into this for a minute. It has a radius of 1.2 billion kilometers. 1.2 billion kilometers. It's about 9,500 light years away. And just out of interest, because this is the way that my brain works, I thought, how far is that in kilometers? And here is that number. And if you are listening to a podcast right now, the number is eight nine eight seven six nine three nine four eight nine five one seven six zero zero kilometers away. Doesn't that just kind of blow your mind? Now, for a minute, do you remember that we could fit nine hundred and sixty thousand Earths into our Sun? You remember that? I hope so, because I told you five minutes ago. All right, now I want you to see the size of our sun compared to Scooty. Oh, hang on. First of all, here is a picture of what it looks like. That's the closest image we have. This is an actual picture of Scooty, and here's the size of it compared to our sun. That tiny little dot With the word sun next to it can fit in 960,000 earths and that's its size compared to Scooty. Let me tell you something else that just may put this in perspective for you. Scooty is so big that if you were to fly a plane on the surface of Scooty and fly around the planet and you found a vehicle that could travel at the speed of light, it would take you seven hours and two minutes just to go around the surface of the planet at the speed of light. To put that in perspective, you could circle our sun in about 14 seconds. That's how big Scooty is. That's how big our universe is. And it was all created at the time when we read in the Bible, God created the heavens and the earth. And you got to think, he didn't even really tell us that it existed. For thousands and thousands of years, people had just been living, didn't even know that it was there. So why did he make it? Because he loves to create. Because he's a creator God. And by mere existence, it brings glory to him, whether we recognize it or not. At that time when he created, it was effortless for him. And although you may be impressed at the size of it and how large it is, when he created it, he did it by spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all involved in creation. Genesis 1-2 says the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. John 1-3 says that all things were made through Him. And when it says Him, it means Jesus. And without Jesus was not anything made that was made. In fact, if you look at the high priestly prayer in John uh, chapter 17... Jesus is praying to God and he says, Father, now give me the glory that I had at the time before the world existed. In other words, he says, I was with you in the beginning, which is why he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, because Jesus is the beginning and God created everything. And when he did, it was was all good. It was all good good. In fact, at every point of creation, every time he made something new, he looked at it and he said, it's good. And then on the sixth day, he did something incredible and he created the pinnacle of his creation, which was mankind. And he looked at people and he said, here is the pinnacle of my creation. That is very good. Genesis 126, he says, let us make man in our image. Isn't that interesting that one God would say, let us make man in our image. In other words, we must recognize that there's more than one God. There's Father, there's Son, there's Holy Spirit all together. They had a little conversation. Let's make man in our image and in our likeness. And if you look at the words image and likeness in the Hebrew language, it means something similar, but not exactly the same. He made something similar, but not exactly the same. And that's who you and I are. Psalm 8, 5 to 6 says that he crowned them with glory and honor. And it says that you've given him dominion over the works of your hands. In other words, God created people and he created the entire universe. And then he did something which now looking back kind of seems a little bit crazy, but he decided to put us in charge of it. He says, I'm going to give you authority over the things that I've made. Such is the glory and the honor that he's put on people. You have to see people the way that God sees people. We are created to be like God and to represent him. And we have so much in common with God. For example, did you know that God is a triune being? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Did you know then in the same way that God is a triune being, so are you and I. We are body, soul, and spirit. There is a part of us that lives in the physical realm. It's our body. And there is a part of us that lives in in, in the, uh, uh, the spiritual realm. That's our spirit. It's the part that God puts inside of us. And then there's our soul. And what's our soul? Our soul is comprised of our will and our intellect and our emotion. And in the same way that God is a triune being, he created us to be in his image, in his likeness. And we are the same as he is. And when I look at the scale of creation and how big it is and how vast it is, and in some ways I, I look at, You know, Canis Majoris and Scooty and these huge things on one scale. And then as you look back through creation and look at all the little things that God made, I'm blown away from it. Scooty on one hand, tiny microorganisms on the other. And I'm blown away at the complexity of the universe and the fact that God is in all of it. And wants to be a part of it and created it and yet can still be outside of it. And I wanted to take the time to explain to you the significance of how big the universe is. And how much God is in the details because I want you to understand a very important point tonight. Which is that every created thing has a purpose. Every created thing has a purpose. Whenever somebody makes something it has a purpose. When somebody invents something, it has a purpose. When God created the universe, it has a purpose. When God created you, you have a purpose. And if you don't know your creator, you will not find the meaning for your existence. We live in a world where people search for the meaning of life. And I promise you this, it is difficult to find on planet earth. I'm not saying that you can't fill your life with things. You can fill your life with all kinds of things that seek to give your life meaning, but if you truly wanna find the purpose for your existence, You need to go to your creator because he's the one that made you. He's the one that purposed you. He's the one that designed you. He knows why you exist and he knows what you exist for. And we live in a world where people are trying to figure out how they fit in to the world. I want you to, I want to do something with you guys tonight. I do feel like an amateur magician tonight. I don't know if you guys can see this. So I have in my hand here Rhodes South African peach halves. It's not important. I just wanted to tell you. And so if my purpose, what I really want to do is I want to open this can. I can... I guess I could go about it all kinds of different ways, couldn't I? So I could try to keep opening it with this funny-looking can opener. And the more I try, the more I fail. And if I was trying to measure the importance of my life, and I was, in fact, not a can opener, but a hammer, and I was trying to measure how important my life was by opening this can, and I didn't understand the reason for my existence. You know what I would feel like? An absolute failure. And I would, as hard as I try, continue. To feel like a failure because I don't know what I was designed for. This isn't designed for opening cans. You know what we got to do? we got to find what we were created for. And the funny thing is, is that as soon as I understand the reason for my existence, you know, it is, this is hard because I couldn't use a can opener this morning. It's a very tricky, but as soon as I understand why God created me, everything, that seemed to be so difficult before, everything that I didn't understand about my design, everything I didn't understand about my personality, everything that I didn't understand about my gifts. And while previously I felt like a failure, maybe the reason I felt like a failure is because I just didn't know what I was made for. And it's amazing that as soon as somebody starts to operate the way that they were created, what previously seemed to make you feel like a failure and what previously you had to say, I could never, it feels like everything that I do, I fail. Suddenly it all becomes easy and it becomes easy because for the first time I'm functioning the way that I'm supposed to function. And let me tell you something. We live in a world right now where there are people everywhere trying to figure out their purpose and their function. We live in a world right now where people are more depressed than ever and they're filled with fear and anxiety. And I meet so many people that feel like they are just absolute failures. It's like everything that they try, it just doesn't work. And they look at their efforts and their energy and what they put their time into. And it's so many people on the edge of giving up. Why should I even try? I always feel like a failure. Well, maybe what you've got to do is stop acting like a hammer when you've been created for a different purpose. What you need to do is discover why God made you. He's the creator. He's the one that understands why he made you. And as soon as you can figure that out and go straight to him, you would be surprised how much your life would be filled with purpose. Because remember, every created thing has a purpose. Even you. And you will find your purpose in Him. Stop searching around for something in this world to give your life meaning if you found it here it can be taken from you because it exists here but if you find God you find life and I don't know if you've ever failed in fact is there anyone here that hasn't failed I just want to know where all the liars are sitting one at the back we can pray for you later Every single person I know has failed at something. And I know this. In fact, the Bible is so clear about this. It says that every human being has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone I know has made mistakes and felt like they've failed. And I don't know if you've ever felt like you keep screwing up. You keep making mistakes have you ever felt just totally worthless like it doesn't even really matter if you're here on planet earth or not everything you try you fail at you feel worthless like your, your life has no value in it Like there's no reason for your existence. Did you know that you were planned? Did you know that God wanted you here? Did you know that? I want to read what the psalmist wrote about this. He says in Psalm 139 verses 13 to 16, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. Now look at this next part and read this. This is so important. In your book were written... Every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Do you know that God saw all of your days? And you've got to think about this. With all the mistakes that you have made in your life, with all of your failure, with all the things that you've got wrong. And God saw all of it. And he says, I still want you. He wants you. He wants you to be alive. He wants you to be on planet Earth. You are not the result of biology. You're not the result of just two people coming together and having a baby. You're so much more than that. You are planned, you are purposed. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. He knew that you would exist and he saw down the corridors of time. He knew you'd mess up here, here and here and it doesn't matter to him because he says, despite all of that, I want you alive. I want you here. I want you to take time on planet earth and to be here. Don't waste your life being a hammer when you've been created for something else. Don't feel like a failure because you thought you were supposed to be something that you're not. If you're struggling to find purpose or value in your life, maybe it's because you're measuring your life by all the wrong things. You're looking at the successes of other people and thinking, I wish that I was successful to them. I wish I looked like them. I wish I had their body. I wish I had their money. I wish I had their intelligence. And you measure yourself by other people and you don't measure up. And as you do that, your self-worth plummets. And I'm telling you tonight that if you saw yourself the way that God Sees you. You would never have to feel like a failure again because you are loved. He wants you here. He wants you on planet Earth. Do you know why he created Canis Majoris and Scooty? Do you know why He created those? It wasn't for you. It was for Him. Because it speaks of the bigness of God. And if I was going to use a church word right now, I would say that it glorifies Him. Why did God make you? You and Scooty have something in common because you, your life, you speak of the bigness of God. You are the pinnacle of creation. You are what God wanted. You are on planet Earth because He wants you to be here. I don't know how many mistakes you've made in life, but I do know this. Everyone has made mistakes, but never confuse making mistakes for being a mistake. You can make mistakes, but you are not a mistake by virtue of the fact that you are drawing breath in your lungs right now, is the evidence that God wants you on planet Earth. All of your days were marked out before there was even one. And He wanted you to be here. He wanted you to know that even if you have never felt loved, even if you feel like a total failure, even if you feel like a waste of space, maybe you have thought the world would be no different without me. I could end my life tonight and no one would miss me. And you've had thoughts about what it would be like if you just no longer existed. And in your imagination, you said it won't matter to anyone. I promise you it would because even if you believed that no one loved you, I'm telling you tonight that God loves you. If no one else wants you, God wants you. And if you've Always felt rejected by everyone around you. God accepts you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Why don't we stand together tonight? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.